Welcome to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Laconia campus. Now there's this one, I can remember this one time several years ago, where I was asked to go and play at this small church in uh, Rhode Island, and uh, I was living up here, and uh, decided to take the trek down. And I met up with some of my friends and we drove and it took hours to get there, to bring all of our equipment, to set up. And we show up at this, this little Baptist church. And I have a special place in my heart for, for Baptists, actually. Uh, I've attended Baptist churches and I've even went to a Baptist seminary for a little while. And I was actually pretty excited to go and share. And I knew that this church uh, wasn't really using contemporary music yet. So I was, I was excited to go and, and share uh, some contemporary music and, and hope, hoping that they would catch hold of it and get excited. And so we got there, we, we set up, and there was about like 10 people, okay? And we drove, you know, f- at least three hours plus setup time, <clears throat> and there was about 10 people, and half of them sat in the back and played cards. <laughs> I mean, they were literally playing cards while I would, and, and so I'm trying to, uh, trying to engage and, and enter in as, as, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, what? what, what? <laughs> I, and at the end of the night, we went through a whole set. I, I was crushed. And, and I, I said to myself, and, and I actually, I feel convicted of this now because in reflecting on this, I was way, I was way off, but I was like, oh my goodness, that was horrible. Like that, that wasn't good worship. That was, Right? But now, a few years later, after doing this for a, for a while now, I was wrong. I was off. And here's why. Not, worship is what you give, not what you get. See, I had an expectation. And this is something I struggle with all the time as a worship leader. All the time. And even in participating in worship, I set this expectation of what I think good worship is. That if I get the, the tingles, right? Yeah, the little duck bumps, okay? And, and, I, and I feel them, and, and people are engaged, and the hands are up, and people are singing passionately. And none of those things are bad at all. Like, not at all. I think all those things are great. But when that becomes the metric, when that becomes an expectation when that becomes something that you think you're going to get and then you gauge whether worship is good or not based upon that, we're off. We're wrong. Because worship is not what you get. It's what you give. And I think this is something we all struggle with. I mean, there are, some, there are people, myself included, who have church shopped for worship teams. Like, legit, that I've gone to churches and sat through a service, like, oh, that wasn't so good. I don't know if I'm going to come here. Or, I don't know if I want to be part of that worship team. Or, wow, I, I would love to be on that. That's amazing worship. But is that really what worship is? So why do we struggle with this? What is at the root of this? The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans fleshed this out. And he got to the root of this. 
And if you read in Romans 1, turn we to Romans 1. That's from, I, I don't have this on the slide. This is new. This is something that God showed me recently. This is, this is like fresh off the press. Okay? Sometimes he does this. So we've got Romans 1, 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came futile in their thinking. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. And Paul is saying there that we have faulty thinking. You know, Jesus said that we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And in our flesh, in our sinful nature, we don't naturally worship God. We have to learn how to worship God. Worship is learned. Worship in spirit and in truth. And if you fast forward to Romans 12, Paul really starts to flesh this out. So we're going to camp out in this. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is essential, okay? Worship isn't just behavior modification. You can't just decide, hey, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try harder to worship. Something has to fundamentally change within us. Something has to change in our thinking. Now, to be conformed is kind of like this. If you take, if you take sand, okay, and you pour it into a container, the sand takes the shape of its environment, okay? Now, when we're... You see that? <laughs> this sand has conformed to this vase, which is kind of a funky vase, okay? It takes the shape of it. If I pour this sand into this container, like this, what happens? Same thing. It takes the shape. And if I pour this sand into this container, again, it takes the shape. Now, it's my fear that we as Christians are a lot like this sand. That when we're put in an environment where there's worship music, that oh, maybe we start to raise our hands and start to sing. But when we go out into an environment that's not necessarily a traditional worship environment, like at work, like at home, maybe driving your car, we're no longer worshipers. We conform to the environment. It's behavior modification. This sand is always sand regardless of what container it's in. But God 
wants us to go through transformation. He wants us to go from being like sand to being this rock. That no matter what environment you're in, you're this rock. And you're going to worship him wherever you are at, whether it's at work, whether it's at school, whether it's at home. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how things are falling apart. He wants to take you and fundamentally change you from the inside out. Now, the word transformed in Greek is actually metamorphosis. And you, an animal that goes through metamorphosis is the caterpillar, right? When a caterpillar forms a cocoon, its cells actually start to change. Like it fundamentally, to the core, it changes. The organism changes. It turns on genes and turns off genes, and it starts to remodel itself, and it comes out a completely different organism, essentially. It becomes a butterfly. There's change from the inside out. So Paul is saying here that we have faulty thinking, and our thinking needs to change because our natural inclination is to not worship God. Our natural inclination, unfortunately, or my natural inclination, is to want to get something from God. And that's really at the core of what I struggle with. That when I'm up here and I'm singing and I'm not seeing participation, or if I drive four hours to, to a group, uh, to a church, and a couple people show up and I leave discouraged, it's because I have faulty thinking. It's because I need to change. It's because I think that at times... I struggle with this idea that it's about me and things are for me. And, and that's, not, that's not truth. So I need to change the way I think. And I think we need to change the way we think. Because worship is so much more than songs. It's so much more than, than music and raising hands. Worship's a lifestyle. It's learning to live for him. It's learning to be a sacrifice for him. For from him, this is verse 36, 11. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So often I think that things are for me and through me and to me. But it's the opposite. Proper worship starts with proper theology. We have to know who he is, the truth about him first, and change the way we think about him, change the way we think about ourselves, and change the way we think about others. For from him, meaning that he's made everything. Every, everything on this table, everything in this room, every cell in your body, every tree outside, every planet, every star, the entire universe, he has made it. He's made all the matter, he's made all the energy, he's made all the dark matter, he's made everything that exists, everything on heaven and earth. He's made it. It's from him. And he's worthy of praise. Praises do him. It's through him. 
We often think that, you know, through effort, we achieve, through studying, through working hard. And none of that's really, none of that's bad. But the reason why we wake up every day, the reason why our heart keeps beating, the reason why we have certain intellectual capacities, the family that you were placed in, the opportunities, the doors that have been opened, they're through him, not through us. Thank you, Lord. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And we need to change the way we think about that. And as we change the way we think about that, we'll start to praise him because we'll realize that all, all things come through him. All things are for him. When we worship, when we sing, that's for him. As we live our, out our lives, that's for him. We're supposed to reflect him in the way we live. As we live out our lives and we go to work, People should see Jesus in us and glorify him and praise him. They should see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. It's due to him. All things are going to go back to him. And he's worthy of that. So then Paul says in verse 1, chapter 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So here he goes into the section where he starts to talk about how we need to change the way we view ourselves. That the only way that we can actually come to him and worship him is through his mercy. When we come and worship and God's presence falls on the room and it's, and it's just amazing, that's not an experience that could have been experienced in the Old Testament. You couldn't go into God's presence without being killed. God's a holy God, and we're sinful human beings, and sin can't be in God's presence. But when Jesus went to the cross, he made a way when there, where there was no way, and now we have access to God's presence. So through his mercy, we can enter into his presence. Hallelujah. That's awesome. So we can never take it for granted. Worship's a privilege, even if no one else is around, even if it's just me and my guitar, right, sitting out outside on my porch. We have an audience of one, amen? So it doesn't matter how, even the rocks will cry out, the trees of the forest will clap their hands. All creation is worshiping him, and if we're in an environment where no one else is connecting and no one else is worshiping, that's okay. We can still worship him because he's worthy. He has shown us such mercy. We don't deserve that. It's his amazing grace. We sang it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, that you would lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tell him, thank you, Lord. This is worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So here we go. This is the, this is the meat. This, this is the best part of this passage. Come on now. 
I was, I've been meditating on this idea of the sacrifice in the Old Testament, and I had this huge aha moment about the sacrifice, okay? So in the Old Testament, the priest would bring the sacrifice to God, the animal, and the, the animal would go in the presence of God, and it would be offered wholly to God. And that sacrifice was not just for God, that sacrifice was offered to repair the relationship between people and God. So watch this now. This is huge. This, 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 is, this is huge. This defines the purpose of our life. God is calling us to be a living sacrifice. He's calling us to engage with him to offer ourselves wholly to him, to go into his presence for his pleasure so that others might come to know him. You following this? Because we are the sacrifice. We're not giving a sacrifice. We are actually the sacrifice. And in the Greek language, the, I, I'm kind of a nerd. I like to look this stuff up if you haven't caught this yet. So in the Greek language, if you're an English geek, okay, it's in this tense called the aorist. And what it's saying is that actually, and I struggled with this at first to understand why he used this. It's, it's a completed action. Because I was thinking every time I read this passage that we do this continually, like every day, okay? What he's saying here is that you're putting yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice and you're not getting off again. Like Jesus said, you put your hand to the plow and you don't look back, that you pick up your cross and follow me. It's a, once you're on there, that's it, baby. All in. All in. Worship is all in. It's a living sacrifice. It's your entire life. It's not measured. It's not a little bit at a time. Boom, all in. That's awesome. That's huge. And we're all in, okay? And the purpose of our life is to honor and please God and help others to find God and connect with him and grow closer to him and, re and help to repair that relationship with them, connecting them with Jesus. Whew, that's exciting. That's purpose, amen? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know the story of Mary and Martha? And you have Mary and Martha, and you have Mary who goes to Jesus and sits at the feet of Jesus and, and listens to his teaching, and Martha who is all busy and trying to figure out what to do. And Jesus in that interaction says, Martha, Martha, oh, Martha, okay, why are you so busy? Mary has chosen the better thing to sit at the feet of Jesus, to listen to his teaching. Why? To determine his will. To have 
her mind changed and transformed. She was learning how to worship Jesus from Jesus. So when we come and we worship and we sing these songs, we need to hear his voice. We need to enter in his presence. We need to sit at his feet and learn from him and be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we might know his will, so that we might learn how to be a living sacrifice because worship is learned. And God has given you gifts to use to help people to connect to him. But we have to figure that out. We have to learn how to do that. Okay, that's a process. That's a journey. That's sitting at his feet. That's opening our ears and softening our heart. Okay, and when we come and we, and we, we enter in and we praise, you know, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, even in an environment like this, even it, it's to offer your voice. It's to offer your mind and your heart. And when we raise our hands, okay, it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing around us because we're offering a sacrifice. We're offering all of us to him. And in return, he pours into us. And he starts to speak to us. And he shows us things about ourselves. And he shows us things about him. And we learn how to be a living sacrifice. And he gives us a glimpse of his will. For by the grace given to me, I say, to everyone among you, do not think more highly of of himself, more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has a sign. So not only does God want to change the way we view him, not only does God want to change the way we view ourselves, he wants to change the way we view others. You see, he wants us to come with a posture of humility, realizing that it's an honor to worship him. It's an honor to give our life to him. He's worth it. For he says this, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teachings, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Oh, come on now. This, this is big. This is it, okay? So God is calling us to be a living sacrifice to him, and he's given us gifts to give to others that he wants to teach us Okay, that, that worship is living for him and using our gifts to bless others. That's huge. That's a, that's a completely different shift in thinking because we are the sacrifice. And the sacrifice isn't just for God, it's for others as well. So he's given us gifts so that we can give those to others and we can pour into others so that they might know him so that they might grow closer to him, 
so that relationship between God and man might be repaired. Okay, so we have Jesus as our ultimate model for this. Okay, he bridged that gap. He died on the cross so that we might have a relationship with the Father. But now he's calling us to go out and be agents of reconciliation. Amen? So he's calling us out to go and share the love of God, the love of Christ, to use our gifts to help people to connect with God and grow. And that's what worship's all about. Worship is learned. It's learning to give our lives to him. It's learning to be a living sacrifice. It's learning that everything is from him and through him and to him. And we have this amazing, loving God who has shown us mercy. He is so good and so patient with us. So that even when we drive three hours, okay, where we're supposed to go and praise him and we leave with a bad attitude, he still loves us. He knows we're on this journey of figuring this thing out. But oh, hallelujah, when we figure this out, okay, when we start to get this, that God has given you gifts to give others, and that pleases him. That's worshiping him. Worship is what happens when you leave this room as much as when you're in this room. He doesn't want us to be like this sand that changes with whatever environment that has conformed to the environment that we're in. He wants us to be like the rock. Okay? Look at this gorgeous rock. <laughs> he wants us to be like this rock. That no matter what is happening in your life, even when the wheels are falling off the bus, even when you're feeling a million miles away from him, you can still praise him because he holds you together. He holds your life together. He's a loving God. He's a faithful God. He's patient and kind. He wants to give good things to us. And so we give it all back to him because he's worth it. Amen? Okay, we're going to have a time of communion. And really, this is a time to reflect. To say, Lord, show me, God, how I can live for you. Show me how I can help others connect with you, that I might be a living sacrifice. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.